ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, thanks for joining Western Contours as we bring you Elk Holland Academy's Feature Friday. This week, Michael debunks some elk hunting and calling myths. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, my name is Michael Batiste. I'm from the Elk Calling Academy, and this is Wapiti Wednesday Q&A. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. Tonight, we are going to be debunking elk calling and elk hunting myths. So, um, you know, I made a post last week and said, you know, what are some, some of the, the myths that you've been told and we are going to talk about these and debunk them tonight. Um, I'm sure some of these are going to get a little controversial. Uh, some people may not agree with what I'm saying, um, but kind of a, a pretense to all of this is I'm not the only one that feels this way on a lot of these. So um, I've talked to, you know, a lot of people. Um, and yeah, so this one's this one's going to be fun. Danny, at least this is a left shoulder. Yes. And actually, because Danny, if it's your left shoulder, there's a couple of products out there that can help hold your bow and give you stability. But still in your... Um, Recovery. Do not rush it. Lena, join in from YouTube tonight. You are throwing me off there, Miss Lena, jumping in on YouTube instead of Instagram. So it must be because of the uh, service out in your beautiful neck of the woods. So uh, Keaton Chancellor, how you doing, bud? I love it when you hurt feelings. I, I try not to, Scott. So... All right, we let's see where we're at. So we're about five minutes in. Yeah, we've got about 35 people there, 12 there. Got a bunch here. So you know what? Um, 
had to switch it up. I like it. Let's just go ahead and get going because I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through all of these. So there is a chance that this may be part one. So, all right, everybody buckle up. Here we go. Hey, everybody, I'm Michael Batiste from the Elk Calling Academy, and this is Wapiti Wednesday Q&A. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. We're happy to have you. If you've been tuning in and you like the content that you're seeing, make sure that you like, subscribe, or follow whichever platform you're on, so that way you're notified whenever we upload new videos or, you know, we go live. So, um... If this is your first time tonight, the way Wapiti Wednesday works is we typically start with a subject. Tonight, we're going to be debunking elk calling and elk hunting myths that we have been told over the years. And we're going to talk about those and debunk them. At any time, it doesn't matter which platform you're on. Right now, we're on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Each of you have a comment section that you can put questions in. I do my best to answer the questions, but there is information that um, I give in the private one-on-one -on -one lessons and also that I make available to the Patreon page members. So um, some of the stuff, if it's some of the questions that is items that I teach in those, I'll probably refer you to the Patreon page. So, all right, a couple more popped in. Mr. Eric Wilson, how you doing? John Tim, Freddie Lopez, GC Calls, glad to have you. All right, here we go. So within elk hunting and elk calling myths, you will, you will hear a lot of things. I mean, especially on social media, you can go in and there's topics and subjects and you can see a lot of different comments and a lot of different things. And I just kind of wanted to jump into this because last night I got, or, or last week I got asked about something. I started to go into it, but there was only about three minutes left and I knew it was gonna take a lot longer than that. So here we go. Mike Boyd, Facebook, good evening. Myth number one, herd bulls don't chuckle. I've heard this from more than one person. And I don't know why they would come up with this or think that. You can go to YouTube and there's countless videos. In fact, the YouTube video that I talk about a lot of times, episode 42 from The Mountain Project, the first five minutes of that video is a herd bull with a hot cow and multiple bulls around. And you can see that herd bull chuckling and glunking and doing huffs, grunts and whines. And he's doing all these sounds. So there's video evidence of that bull chuckling. So I'm not sure why somebody would say herd bulls don't chuckle. All right. Next one. Kind of like this one. If a Elk does an alarm bark, the hunt is over. They are done, they're leaving. False. All an alarm bark is, is an alarm bark is basically an elk saying, I'm not comfortable with the situation. You need to show yourself. I don't think that you're an elk. It kind of supports what I teach in the Elk Calling Academy about learning all of the vocals. Now, learning the vocals and learning how to do them and what they mean 
it doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily do all those sounds all the time or do all those sounds a fraction of time, but the nervous bark is one of those things that has saved a hunt time and time and time again. In fact, I have video footage of a 25 minute session of a cow and I in a bark fest for 25 minutes. She would bark, I would bark. She would bark, I would bark bugle. She would bark, I would bark mew. I'm send, you're just basically sending the same message back to that elk and all of a sudden you can get that elk to calm down and they come wandering in. So it is important to know that. Uh, bugle me this. Isn't a chuckle a gathering come over here kids call? Not necessarily because they have different chuckles. They have excited chuckles and then they have aggravated chuckles. So, um, you know, the ex excited chuckles, <clears throat> if you think about a friend or family member or maybe even you when you're kind of in a uncomfortable situation, you're not really sure what to do and you just kind of start giggling for no reason at all. That's kind of what that excited chuckle is. So, you know, like a like a kid that got a new toy and he's just all giddy and chuckling. Now, the aggressive chuckle, the aggressive chuckle is a way to add a little bit more aggression onto the end of the sound, a little bit more dominance. So, uh, heck no, bark right back. Uh, Ryan at Steel and Sander. Welcome, welcome. Almost got a bull who barked, called him back in, kept kept responding. So the key thing with the with the bark is I never bark first. So that's the key. So no, alarm barks does not mean the end of the session. <laughs> you will never call a herd bull from his cows. You will never be able to draw a herd bull away from his cows. Mostly this is false, unless one of his cows are in estrus. If one of his cows are in estrus, you're going to be very, very hard pressed to pull that bull away from his, from his cows. But if he doesn't have any cows in estrus, and you're over on the side doing, you know, you're set up, you're calling and you're doing a rendition that you're a bull, that you have your own hot cow. You can bet your sweet butt that that herd bull is going to want to come over and check out and make sure that this other cow is actually an estrus. Because none of his cows, he can't breed any of his cows. But man, he can go over there and breed that hot cow because he can he can maybe go over there and kick the butt on that bull that has that hot cow and then he breeds her. So yes, you can most definitely pull herd bulls away from cows. The asterisk mark is unless he has a cow that's in estrus. So, uh, Caleb, my my group did it three to five times last year. Are you, Caleb, are you talking about the bark or pulling the herd bull away? Your comment popped in after the herd bull, so I'm assuming the herd bull. Uh, now, obviously, some of these are kind of quick, and, and I did feather some of the more controversial ones for the end, thinking that uh, I would get through some of these other ones. All right. Next up, if they smell you, they're gone. Not necessarily. They are going to vacate the immediate area, 
but there are a lot of times that they really don't go that far. So if you take your time to grab your composure, pay attention to which direction they went, let things kind of calm down, and then you reposition so that the wind is in your favor, you can most certainly re-engage those elk again. And in fact, a good effective tactic is a lost mew. Because what does the herd do when they smelt you? The one that actually smelled you takes off running. The others are taken off running. They don't really know why. They didn't necessarily smell you. The whole herd doesn't know what's going on. They just saw this one elk take off. So, and a lot of times what can happen is that one that starts taking off, the rest of the herd just kind of stays there. And that one only goes a little ways. You continue going. You can salvage that. So, uh, they also have held up when they smell you. Yeah, it's it's not necessarily that they're just going to take off and vacate the country. So, uh, let's see. Mike Thompson, good evening, bro. It's a Hawaiian elk burger night. I like it. I like it. So, Mike Thompson, the elk I killed this past season, was from a herd that smelled someone, left and came back 30 minutes later. Hmm. They left and came back 30 minutes later. Did you guys catch that? They circled back around and came back to the spot they were in. Why do you guys think that is? What do we normally do as humans? Elk smell us, take off. What do we do? We vacate the premises. We're like, oh, we're done here. We're moving on. They left the country for the day. Hmm. Let that one sink in. All right. We've kind of talked about this one in the past. Uh, yeah, travel route to food. So um, APA Pro, that's that's what they were doing. They actually left and came back because it was a travel route to the food. Yeah, those travel routes and, and uh, this and that. So um, have you ever done the Dirk with a bark chuckle? Um, not sure what the Dirk is, but yeah, I've barked and chuckled. That's, that's all part of it when, you know, you're, you're sitting there in that encounter with that, that elk and they're barking. Yeah. You're going to do all kinds of things after you bark to add elk sounds into it. Like I said, it could be a bark bugle, could be a bark cow sound, could be a bark chuckle. So yeah, you're going to add all different types of sounds underneath that to paint that picture that you really are a work or uh, an elk. Sean McGarry, welcome. Nick Stevens, just want to get where they're going. So, okay. Um, but anyways, I've talked about this one before. If the elk are close, don't move. You can't move. You have to freeze like a statue. No, you'll be amazed at the amount of movement that you can get away with. If you're in direct sunlight, that's a whole different ball game because they can they can pick you out a lot easier and they understand the silhouette of a human. So if you're skylined, if you're out in the sunlight, this or that, no, you're not going to be able to move as much. But if you are in the shadows, you can get away with movement because your camouflage in the shadows, all that kind of stuff, you're blending in. 
Just make your movements slow and methodical. You don't want any fast twitch type movements, but you will be amazed with the amount of movement. So just because an elk comes in and you think they have you pegged, they not they don't necessarily have you pegged. They're basically looking that direction because either A, that's the direction that the elk making the noise came from and they're trying to locate that elk or B, they know their surroundings pretty well and you're something that's out of place. They don't know what you are. They're not sure, but they can certainly stand there because obviously, you know, we've talked about setups before that you're standing in front of something. So your silhouette is broke up. So you're going to be able to get away with those movements like drawing a bow and getting ready for the shot and all that kind of stuff. So, no, you don't have to freeze. Uh, Damer Pagano, it's called the Dirty Dirk. Okay, I still don't. I've never heard the term Dirty Dirk. I have no idea what you're talking about. So, um uh, Jay Colley, it drives me nuts when someone says something about something and you 110% know they are wrong, but you don't want to get a bit in a big talk. Then you find yourself writing it out and then you hit the backspace button. Everyone has their own thoughts on things. Yes. So, okay. So you guys are talking about the bark chuckle. Okay. Somebody just chimed in. It's the Dirk Durham special or the dirty Dirk. Okay. It's, it's just a bark chuckle. It has no no meaning. I mean, a lot of times on the chuckle, um, you know, you can do an excited chuckle after it. You can do kind of that aggravated chuckle, which then gives the appearance of, you know, you're barking because you don't know what they are. And then your aggravated chuckle is because, you know, you're, you're, uh, frustrated. So yeah, all kinds of people are commenting on that. Now, I, I had never, never heard it. Dirk must be uh, talking about that. But uh, do you have to chuckle after a bark or can you just bark? No, Jim, you can just bark. But to add realism into it, because it's probably not going to be just one bark that you have to do. That's why you're going to have to bark and then add another sound after it. Um, it's because Dirk Durham does it on the land of the free... And the land of the free 2.0. Oh, okay. Um, so, but no, Jim, you want to add those other elk sounds after the bark to give that realism that you actually, you know, are an elk. So, all right. You called too much. I, you know, this one, some people have uh, been told this personally. Other people in the industry have had notes left on their trucks with uh, something along these lines. With the calling too much, the thing to remember is, yes, there are situations that you can call too much. But if you are always matching your surroundings, if you're always matching what's going on around you, you don't have to worry about call too much. Because if there's a lot of excitement going on, there's a lot of calling going on anyways, and you won't be calling too much. So that one is kind of situational along with this next one being you call too loud. The call too loud, again, is going to be situational. It depends where you hunt. Because if you 
are in areas with wolves and other predators like that, specifically wolves, you don't want to call loud. You want to tune it down. But if you're in areas that don't have a wolf population, no, you can get volume. The only thing is, though, most of the time when people are really trying to get volume, it really, really does strain the read, which may not sound the best, but there's nothing wrong with that. If you've ever heard a bull that is, especially in areas with high bull to cow ratios, these bulls will get really, really hoarse. And it's not perfect, clean crystal notes. And other times there's younger bulls that, man, they just don't sound good anyways. They sound like Peter Brady. So uh, I like the Scree hat. I just ordered the Rocky Mountain Pro Staff bundle yesterday. Sean, perfect. And oh yeah, we talked about that. So since that stuff was on sale, the ECA code in the Patreon page didn't work. So can you bark for us with some chuckles? So there's just a couple of different examples of barks and chuckles following it. So uh, let's see. Had a cow bark at me while she was in the herd. I just slowed my stock a little and she just kept an eye on me. Didn't alarm the herd at all. They just kept moving as they uh, as they were. Yeah, that I, I mean, that just is one of those things right there that um, th that alarm bark is not a bad, bad thing. So I, I think really where that stemmed from is somebody had it where, you know, got into a situation where maybe one of the group or one of the elk in the herd barked and then part of the other herd winded. And so that's why you had the bark and then just took off immediately. So um, a good, good majority of my experiences have been that they, they bark and they just stay there. Because like I said, they're not sure what you are. So, uh, are you hiding something with the lights off? No, I'm trying to create a new ambiance here, Jay. So, best call to get a herd bull to maybe leave and pick up a stray cow. Um, Alton, my approach on that is breeding sequence. So, but again, that breeding sequence has to be done if he does not have a herd bull or, or a, uh, a cow and estrus. If he's got a cow and estrus, you're not going to pull him away. So best thing to do is just kind of keep tabs on him and maybe come back the next day and try to hit him. So he's in trouble and had to turn the lights off. I like how you guys are. <laughs> so, okay. I agree with the loudness, loudness part. I found that Monarch Bugle if you want it still. Jason, yes, I want that Monarch Bugle tube. I will send you a message as soon as we're done. Hot dog, this night just got even better. Uh, when the lead cow barks, it's usually bad. Not necessarily. I mean, just that bark is just something that's just... The herd's going to pay more attention. They're going to be alert. Um, but... Have you ever seen that lead cow bark and then everybody takes off running or is it bark 
And then they kind of sit there to figure out what you are, what's going on in a timeout. You guys are hilarious. So, all right. If the elk spooks, you'll never call them back in. This kind of ties in with um, if they smell you and they're gone. If the elk spooks. No, you can most certainly call them back in. You just need to let things calm down. Maybe reposition a little bit. But you can most certainly call them back in. Because it... The kind of the caveat of that is, is why did they spook? I mean, obviously, if you're walking down the trail or this or that and, you know, you bump into the elk, you guys see each other and they spook because of that. No, you're not going to call them back to that very same spot. But you can most certainly, you know, follow the way that they went, get the wind in your favor, get positioned and you can act like part of the herd that got split and then, and then uh, you know, work on calling them back in. Uh, let's see. God, you guys, the generator can only handle computer and cameras and no lights. You guys are cracking me up tonight. Uh, spook and not come back. Can that depend on hunting pressure? Um, I mean, obviously, if you're hunting high-pressured area, you know, the elk are going to spook a little easier. Um but no, you can, I, I mean, the biggest thing, guys, that you need to realize is, are, are you doing things different than in, in everybody else? I mean, have, have you studied elk vocalizations? Have you studied their habits? Have you studied their biology? Are you paying attention to your surroundings? If you're paying attention to all this stuff and you're communicating and vocalizing like elk, they just think you're another elk. And in fact, we're going to touch on that a little bit more um, coming up here shortly, because that's going to tie into um, one of the other other topics here we're getting to. Uh, let's see. Um, Scott, where can someone get the secret info on the breeding sequence? The breeding sequence, actually, um, there's one video available with all of that on the Patreon page and the second half of that is getting ready to be uploaded next week. So if you want to know about the breeding sequence, just set, head to elkcallingacademy.com, become a patron member. We actually have tutorial and instructional videos up there right now of all of the elk vocal vocalizations, what they mean, how to do them. And right now, about every couple of weeks, we're dropping in videos of using these sounds out in the field. We also have uh, part two of the e-scouting tutorial um, that's going to drop Friday. So so there you go. If you're interested in the breeding sequence, elkcallingacademy.com. I heard beauty is just a light switch away. Oh my gosh, you guys. For me, it has been, but usually she, she starts moving also. How uh, to cow bark at me last year because I snapped a branch. The herd ran 300 yards and stopped and we were able to get back on them. So Brandon Baxter, private lessons or Patreon page? All right. Great question. Patreon page is going to give you the same information as that I is that I teach um, 
in the one-on-one lessons. The cool thing too is, because with the one-on-one lessons, especially for you guys that are out of the area, I do record the session in the one-on-one lessons, but you only have access to that video for two weeks. On the Patreon page, you have access to those videos as long as you're a member of the Patreon page, plus the partner discounts. In fact, I got two more partner discounts today I'm gonna be uploading. Um, So discounts off gear, the giveaways, and I do have a new giveaway that I am going to be announcing on that. Uh, Every two weeks in the Patreon, there also is a private live Q&A tomorrow night being the next one. Okay. Uh, I shot a bullet eight feet after he spooked and took off, called him right back in. They don't always know what spooked them, and sometimes they get very curious. Yeah, they are. They are curious animals. So uh, would you say elk chuckle 50% of the time after they bugle? I don't know if I would really say 50%. I really don't know the breakdown. I think it's more kind of a, of a mindset or emotion that they're in. So, uh, Brian, how much is the Patreon membership? To get the most advantage is the herd bull level, which is $15 a month. So, uh, Mountain Hunter Box, so much catching up to do on Patreon. Yeah, there's there's a lot of videos dropped in there. All right, here we go. Next one. And then I'll come back to your guys' comments. Don't use aggressive bugles. False. There is a time to be aggressive. Just like there's also a time not to be aggressive. The key thing is understanding the bull that you're talking to, that you're working, their mindset and their elevated level of aggression. How aggressive are they? You know, where are they at on that aggressive meter? If they're being aggressive, by all means, be aggressive back because aggression, meaning aggression with them is one of the things that will really um, tip them over the edge. But if they're not at that level and you hit them with aggression, you can actually intimidate them to where they just go quiet and walk away. So aggressive bugles can be effective and we certainly use them every year. But we use them in the situation when we have the information that we know, okay, it's time to unleash this. Uh, APA Pro, what call to bring in spikes or raghorns in pre-rut? Cow sounds. You know, best thing to do is, is find a spot set up, do two or three cow calls, wait five minutes, do two or three cow calls, wait five minutes. You'll have spikes, cows, and younger raghorns come, come in to uh, check you out, so... Uh, what about aggressive cow calls? Um, I don't really get into like the aggravated cow sounds or frustrated cow sounds. Um, I have done it kind of in the past a little bit to where I've kind of painted this picture of a young raghorn that came in and hooked a cow and she's really agitated. Um, I don't use that play very often. So... Um, but it can be effective. Uh, Joshua J. Martinez, how about pre-rut calling? Again, I'm going to focus to, I'm going to point towards the breeding sequence. The thing with the breeding sequence is I do it from first day of the season all the way to the end. It's, it's my go-to, uh, because, you know, first part of that season, it does, 
well, our season opens August 30th. You do have some cows that come can come into estrus that early. So the breeding sequence just fits all throughout our season. Now, some of the states that kind of start middle of August, you got to understand that time is bulls shedding the velvet, establishing their pecking order, and they're rounding up cows. So that's where kind of more of cow vocalizations to get a bull started and interested and then flip the tables and start acting like a bull that has already rounded up that cow and then play on his um, willingness to establish pecking or, or order. So, okay, Josh, you're early September. Yeah, breeding sequence. So, uh, herd bull 15 month, uh, month, best money spent, <laughs> highly recommend. You guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. So best money you can pay. I'm doing both great one and one-on-one -on -one lessons. So, uh, my name is Troy. How do I get your diaphragm calls? So Isabel, um, I did talk to, uh, Mark for all of you interested in the ECA read. I did talk to Mark a few days ago. I just finished up a instructional calling video with them. That's the last part of them fine tuning their website. I will give him a call tomorrow and find out if we're good to go and let you guys know, but we should be any day that those are available and you guys can run with it. So, all right. Okay, I'm going to hit a couple of these and we're going to go into this next one because this next one's going to take a little bit. So, uh, M. Rohrerbach, hello. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, the bull behind you is so much better to look at. You know, if you just got, if you guys just want to focus on 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 the bull back there, I'm I'm completely good with that. Sean, I'm an aggressive caller 90% of the time and have ha, have had great success. No, and there's there's nothing wrong with with being an aggressive caller or bugling aggressively. The, and I've talked about this before. My mindset and my experience is yes, you can have success being aggressive. You just have to find the bull that is in that mindset. You find the bull that's in that mindset Aggressive calling works great, but how many elk did you go by and how many elk did you blow past before you found that one that's in that aggressive mindset? So um, I'm that type of guy that I don't want to have an interaction with just that one bull. If I went past five, I want to have an interaction with all six of those bulls and have fun on every single and each, each and every one. So cold calling sequences bring in lots of satellite bulls, spikes and cows. It's because they're the ones that are kind of the younger, they're, they're curious. So, uh, Joshua, thanks, man. I'm new and still learning. So love getting new advice. Absolutely. So, <laughs> rack addicts, how often do you use hyper estrus method? So we are going to table that question for a minute because we're going to come to that one after a couple, couple of these others. Any Roosevelt specific tips you can throw out? Um, you, you know, you can use the same approach on Roosevelt's as you can Rocky Mountains. The only difference is, is your sound's not going to carry as far because of what the Roosevelt elk live in. It's definitely a lot thicker. Um, but... 
um, it just means that you have to do your location sounds a lot more often. You can't go as far or cover as much distance like you can if you're hunting Rocky Mountains. Um, and with the Roosevelt's, because of how thick the vegetation is, you can actually get a little bit louder with your calls because they're not carrying as far as they are, say, um, in the blues or on throughout the Rocky Mountains where it's a little bit more open and that sound really carries a lot more. So can you turn the camera? Yeah, because you guys want to. There. Okay. Idaho bow hunter, does that uh, give you a better view of that? So that way you can just stare at that instead of me. So <laughs> you guys, uh, our team has been at it a while, killing some very nice bulls, but still looking for new info and tips. So outfitter advisors. Um, no, that's a great approach. Um, still learning. Uh, you know, I've been at it 30 years and, and I'm still continually learning, still always finding something new, still always trying to improve. So. Okay. Here we go. Let's get into some of these controversial ones. These next two kind of tie in together and kind of cover the same thing. First one, elk or call shy. So let me talk about that one for a minute. Elk or call shy. Elk can become call shy because they can pick up on a certain frequency, a certain sound. Prime example, the Hoochie Mama. When the Hoochie Mama came out, it was an extremely highly effective call and worked extremely well. But it doesn't matter whatever notch you twist that Hoochie Mama to, it's still that same frequency. It's still that same tone. So if you're using that mono one tone and an elk comes in and has a human interaction, yes, for a little while, they are going to associate that one frequency, that one pitch with human, and they are going to be leery of it. But over time, they're going to interact with more elk because they are a very social animal. They will get over that. Due to too many guys calling like crap, they sound like a whistle rather than adding time and growls. Like any animal, they become educated. So, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to pop holes in that theory here in a minute. Now, so the Hoochie Mama, the one frequency the one frequency, the one tone. So if you are doing calling where you are varying your tones, varying your pitches, there's too many pitches for that elk to lock in one tone, one sound. Okay, here is a prime example. A couple of years ago, I was calling for one of my hunting partners on an evening hunt. I called in a bull. Actually, we had three bulls come in on that setup. He arrows one. We gave it a little bit. It got too dark. He was heading into thick brush. So we pulled out, came back the next morning, got on the blood trail, and all we were finding was little pin drops right at the start. Great. Okay. He hit it. We have blood. We're tracking. We tracked that bull for almost two miles and ended up finding the bull on his hoofs, 
still standing upright, still running around, still bugling. Perfectly fine. It's just a small little tiny blood patch right up on his shoulder. Don't know what happened. So we backed out, came back in two days later on a morning hunt. I'm calling for one of my other hunting partners. We are in the middle of, I mean, it's just Jurassic Park. It is amazing all the vocalizations that are going on this day. We set up, we start calling. About 15 minutes worth of calling, I hear his bow go off. I continue to call and work. Three minutes later, I hear his bow go off again. I thought that was odd. Then he gives me the turkey yelps and I come up and he says, yeah, this bull just came rotten, trotting in, stopped at about 35 yards, arrow zipped through, bull spun, ran out. I continued to call. That bull stopped, turned around and walked back in and he shot it a second time. The bull runs up the hill a good half a mile, curls over, and then his legs come out and he comes barreling off the hill and we find him all the way in the bottom by a creek. We start breaking him down. As soon as we peeled the hide off of his left side, the arrow from the first shooter was sitting there running right along his ribs. So this is a bull that I called in three times that got shot three times in a three-day period. If any elk is going to be call shy, that dude should be call shy. He got shot three times. So, Yes, elk can get educated and they can be leery if it's just this one note, this one tone. But if you are acting like elk, if you are vocalizing like elk, they're not going to be shy because they hear that every day. They hear it their whole entire life from the day that we're born. And this ties into the next one that this is one of the ones that I absolutely love. And we've heard it in different ways. It's either bugles are a waste of time, or if you bugle in my area, the elk will run the other way. So, anytime I hear this, immediately in my head, I just picture elk running every single direction away from each other. Every bull that bugles, elk are just running away from it. So my question to that is, if they run from a bugle, how the heck do they ever herd up and how do they ever repopulate and how do they ever breed? Most of the time when I hear somebody say something like this on the bugle and I ask them, well, what type of bugle? Well, well, what do you mean? What was the situation? What was going on? And a good majority of the time is because they got into a spot, bugled, they had a bull answer at a distance, and the next time they heard the bull bugle, that bull was another 100 yards farther or 200 yards farther. 
Oh, look at that. You know, the bull bugled. We answered back to him and now he's running the other way. Bull crap. He's not running the other way. He has a specific area he wants to get to. He's heading somewhere. Now, depending on the time of day, he's either heading to his bedding area or he's heading to his feeding ground. The fact that he is bugling at you and the fact that he is communicating with you, he's basically telling you, we're heading this way. Come with us. He's not running from you. Okay. I saw a comment here that is absolutely money about the elk are call shy. Elk don't think analytically. They respond. It's not like you make a sound and they're sitting over there going, man, that sounds exactly like a gray amp from Phelps Game Calls and a guy that's about 35 years old standing on that other ridge over there. No, they hear the sound, they recognize, they respond, they react to that sound. And that just goes into where I will run into people on the mountainside or on the road. And we've, you know, we've gotten into elk every day. We've heard bugles every day. And I hear that, uh, man, we haven't seen any elk. They're not talking in my area. I'm not getting any responses. That's the one I absolutely love. I'm not getting any responses. What do you mean? Well, we just hiked 12 miles, bugled all morning, and we didn't hear one response. I said, you didn't hear one response or you didn't hear a bugle? Because the term response is a lot of things. It could be a bugle. It could be a bull raking. It could be a bull trotting to you and coming to you. A response is not just a vocal response. A response could also be a physical reaction of them raking or them coming to you. Or maybe they responded with a low note growl. Things that you can't hear from a distance. Uh, what about the theory that some hunters have that elk won't bugle in wolf country? False. Elk will absolutely bugle in wolf country because I hunt wolf country every single year. The only difference is, is they're not out in the wide open echoing bugles off the canyon walls. They're in the thicker timber where that timber is knocking down their vocalizations. They are also doing a lot more low tone audible type sounds, which is your huffs, grunts, your glunks, your low note chuckles, a lot softer when they do bugle, they don't have max volume. They have it really backed off. So absolutely elk will bugle in wolf country. Okay. Uh, sorry, guys. Some of these just really crack me up. Um, so Isabel, I'm asking because when I get on the native website, I can't get in. Yeah, Isabel, they've been working on the native website, updating it. So they should be just about done. So... Uh, if you had a bull lip balling, what would your first call be to bring him in? So again, I'm going to focus on that breeding sequence because again, it's understanding what a lip balling means. A lip ball is basically a bull that is showing dominance because a lip ball is also known as a display bugle. 
as a dominance bugle, as a bull calling to cows. What a lip ball is, is a bull that that lip ball has two meanings. He's telling cows, come to me, I'm a dominant bull. He's also telling other bulls, stay away, I'm a dominant bull. He is displaying dominance is what he's doing. So, uh, Derek, does that call have the same tape as the Rip It Red? I bought that call and don't like the feel of the tape in my mouth. So, Derek, yes, it has the same tape. But how long ago did you buy that Rip It Red? Uh, because Native has changed the size of the tape. I, I finally got them to go to a smaller tape that matches all the other calls on the market. Uh, your Phelps, your Rocky Mountain hunting calls. It actually now, because of the smaller tape, it makes that call armor tape a lot more pliable, a lot more comfortable, and you'll be amazed at uh, you know how it does. Okay, I only have two more, so we are going to get through this, but this one is, these are tied together, okay? Estrus cry, estrus whine, estrus buzz. There is no such call. A cow elk makes absolutely no sound when she is ready to breed. The term estrus buzz and hyper hot were terms that were developed by a call company a few years ago to sell more calls. So if you think about it, in deer, does the doe ever make any noise when she's ready to breed or does she stand up and release pheromones into the air that lets the buck know that she's ready to breed? Does a hen turkey walk up to the tom and make some sound that she's ready to breed or does she walk over to him and lay down? So what we have been told is the estrus cry or that estrus buzz, that buzz mew, is actually more of a sound that a cow does that demands attention. And I've heard cows do this in June. I've heard them do it in January. I've heard them do it through all the year. It is a sound that they are demanding attention with. It has nothing to do with she, that. It, it, it's not just locked in and tied that she's ready to breed. Because if you have been around a herd when there is a cow in estrus, there is a ton of excitement. There is a ton of vocal excitement. You have bulls bugling. You have cows mewing. She has to do a sound that separates her from everybody else in the herd and will absolutely grab that bull's attention. Well, guess what? This cow is going to do the same thing if she is separated from the herd and she is trying to relocate the herd and she's doing lost mews and she's cow bugling and she's, you know, regathering mews and nobody's paying attention to her. She is going to break this demanding buzz mew out again. And it's basically saying, damn it, pay attention to me. Take that a step further. The hyper hot. Yeah, you know, in this string of calls, it's not a magical sound. It's a series of individual calls put together. Here's my example. We've all have seen National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, right? Do we all remember when Clark W. Griswold got his bonus and he takes a swig of the elk nog or eggnog and all of a sudden he lets out this long phrase where these words are strung together 
with no pause, no stop. Now, did he create a new sound? Did he create a new word for the human language? Or was it multiple individual words strung together to form a basically a run on sentence is basically what it is. That is exactly what the hyperhot is. The hyperhot is typically a cow, and the sounds associated with it are your regathering mew, um, your um, frustrated whine, assembly mew. I mean, she will throw a lot of these sounds with a lot of emotion, one right after the other, that does not have a break in it. So, hyperhot, estrus buzz. No. So, all right. Uh, have you ever heard a bull lip ball, ball chuckle? Yeah. Do the lip ball while they're chuckling? Yes. It doesn't happen very often. So, um, Joshua, do you have a YouTube page demonstrating different calls? So, yes, Joshua, if you go to my YouTube channel, it's Elk Calling Academy. There is a video series in there called The Beginner's Guide to Elk Calling. It will get you started on a diaphragm. But if you really want to break into all the sounds, your the Patreon page is the best bet. So, all right. That's good to know about the estrus buzz calls. Wyoming elk fever. Luke, I figured you were going to have fun with this one tonight. So, and kind of enjoy it. So, all right. Um, let's see. Corey Cook, how you doing? So, find the one that wants to play. That is the key if you're doing aggressive type calling. Uh, Alan, yeah, it is thick as all get out. So, so yeah, you can still take the same approach. So, um Alan, you can you can um, certainly still do the breathing sequence. You can still do all the vocalizations. Um, you're just going to have to pump up that volume a little bit because they're not going to carry as far. So that's about the really the only specific uh, Roosevelt thing that I could that I could say. Their vocalizations and their vocal structures are still the same. Sean, I guess I should have said I get aggressive with my cow calls. Okay. Yeah, and cow calling, and that's part of, you know, building, you know, that excitement uh, with those cow calls that, um, you know, on that aggressive and throwing all that extra emotion in there. So, yes, those can be highly effective. So, Isabel, thank you. I watch a lot. You have certainly made sense of a lot of years of tag soup. Well, hopefully we can... Uh, correct that tag soup. So, hey, great plug right here. So I see Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls just jumped in. Friday night's video is actually uh, the review that I did on the revamped Steve Chapel signature series line um, of the Rocky Mountain, produced by Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls. That video will go live at six o'clock on the YouTube channel. Um, I'll tell you what, for those of you that don't know Steve Chapel, he's an extremely successful guy in Arizona. The guy knows what elk sounds like. So when you have somebody like that and with the success that Chapel Guide Service has had, if that group is producing a signature series, it is definitely a signature series line that you want to pay attention to. And the three reads within that, there is one read in there that I am extremely impressed with. So tune in Friday night, six o'clock, check out that video. So, all right. Uh, 
I don't feel elk are call shy. They know what they sound here. And if it isn't right, they know better. The hunter needs to know how to speak elk. Mike, that's the key there. Understanding the situation, understanding what you're saying, understanding, you know, their mindset and matching what you're doing to what is going around. That is the key right there. So if you do something that doesn't fit the situation, no. Now, the one thing is with elk is they recognize the vocal patterns of the elk that they live with all year round and that they're around every day. So, yes, you come in and you introduce, well, you may just sound like a new elk. Now, how are you going to present yourself? So, depending on how you present yourself. And remember, when we're calling, we're telling a story, we're painting a picture. How realistic is that picture? That is going to be the difference between those elk coming over and coming to you versus going away. Dang it, the countdown just started on Instagram. So, okay, let me scan through these real quick and see some of these guys we might have to uh, carry over. Uh, some people say there is a double read system call out there that is quite unique and truly creates a realistic cow sound. So, well, that that double read system doesn't create, but it does take your diaphragm read and basically clean the note up to give you a very realistic tone. So, and that's the game changer. You guys have heard me talk about that and we'll cover that a little bit more coming up when we kind of get into more of some of the uh, uh, accessories that I use. So, all right, guys, countdown has started. We are going to wrap this up tonight. Thank you to each and every one of the, you that tuned in. Hopefully I didn't upset too many of you, um, but I just wanted to clear the air on some of these things because I think if you have real accurate knowledge, it's just going to make you that much more successful out in the field. So no stupid Instagram should be two hours long. Yeah, but Caleb, if it did go for two hours, I would be talking for two hours. So Wyoming Elk Fever, great stuff, brother. Appreciate you, man. APA Pro, awesome. Thanks so much. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in tonight. As always, keep calling, keep practicing, and most importantly, have fun. And we will see you guys next week on the next episode of Wapiti Wednesday Q&A. Have a great week, everybody. Follow and subscribe to Elk Calling Academy on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Patreon for tips, tactics, gear reviews, and live Q&A, helping you to success faster. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.